Hey, welcome to Vancouver True Crime. I'm back with Melissa for part two. Well, I'm happy to have you back on Vancouver True Crime. And thank you for sharing your story because it's not easy talking about this stuff. And one of the things that I've always um, concerned about is because I want people to share their stories. But sometimes, you know, bringing the stuff up could trigger stuff. It can make you, you know, it's not easy, right? And it's good to now you're at a stage where you can look past it. It's no longer your life. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Like I always say, I will talk to you anytime. I just awesome. I adore you and your platform and all the things that you are doing and working on. And I just, I love it. So I'm, I'm happy to Thank be a you. part of it. Yeah. And for the audience too, we plan to do some like series on domestic violence. Because I feel that this type of behavior, unfortunately, for whatever reason, maybe it's post-pandemic stress. And I think people are having a hard time coexisting. And, and just between you and me, Melissa, I find just people in general are just tougher. You know, even on my platform, I interact with a lot of people. It almost feels like people just want to be offended at it. They look through the lens of, oh, does this offend me? And I'm pretty good at diffusing stuff before it gets out of hand, but some stuff, you know, gets pretty carried away and just find people are kind of tougher, yeah. you know, harder and more emotional. And it's, it's kind of a strange time. So, it is, for sure. You know, talk about then, we left it off where you were just after a chicken dinner circumstance, got whipped across the dining room table, and then you found out about the sugar babies, not one, but two, and then an ongoing kind of a sort affair and then using one of your guys's property as her crash mm -hmm. pad but the funny thing is people like us we don't mean no. think that way right we just we're you know we're trying to be there for our kids we're trying to create a nice home life balance trying to balance you know the, the considerations of our partner's needs and the children's needs and unfortunately you know people on this predatory psychopathic spectrum they don't look at that they look at nice behaviors oh it's easy to get one over on one of the reasons why i want to do this series or is kind of give the average person who might be going through this stuff kind of like oh that uh -huh moment and some of the other guests with the shows i've done they've gotten emails like hey i listened to this podcast and vancouver trying your guest on and oh my god i thought you were talking about my relationship so this behavior mirrors a lot of people's relationship there's different nuances Sometimes abuse is, escalates to, you know, the ultimate worst where the spouse mm -hmm. ends up dead or they end up very traumatized for the rest of their life. Low self-esteem, can't get into another relationship because they can't mm -hmm. trust people. They might, so imagine this, and I, and I even thought about this, Melissa, like imagine this. So right after your relationship and you meet, like I'm talking like mm -hmm. a 10, right? 10 guy, everything's perfect. Imagine what he said to you was, hey, I want to take you to Paris for a month. You know what I mean? It, it, in his mind, he's thinking he's going to go all at you, but for you, he'd be like, oh. Well, for me, that. the thing is, is like I've been yeah. diagnosed with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, these memories will pop up and they're intrusive. It's like I don't want the memory. I don't want to be thinking about it, but it's yeah. playing in my head and I can't stop it. And so, right. yeah, if I met this guy and he was amazing and he said Paris, it would be like my heart would stop for a minute. All the memories would yeah. be playing back. And then I would probably get so freaked out and be like, uh, no, I can't yeah. talk to you anymore. Yeah, but that's what I mean. And then in his mind, he'd be like, oh, yeah. my God, I'm tell his friends. Like, got her yeah. tickets to Paris and now she yeah. helped me. <laughs> but see, this is what I mean. It's like that I would never blame you, right, for feeling that way for all the things you've been through. But this is what it does. It scars you so you can't have a, a proper relationship in another one unless you do tons of work and 
and then you have to find someone that's it's going to understand yeah. and maybe they've been through the same again it becomes very difficult to trust people and then in some cases it's almost like the nicer the person is because i've been this way too the nicer the person is it almost makes you more suspicious like oh they're just too nice or something up yes right sure. you know yeah. what i mean and then you don't want to gravitate to shitty people because oh okay if they're shitty at least i know what they're shitty about yeah, up front definitely right? it's like for myself like in some of the jobs i had right I worked for, you know, very alpha men that were just, you know, they weren't very pleasant. But now in hindsight, a lot of times I prefer those kind of guys. They were grumpy. They'd fly off the handle. They would yell and swear, but then they were fine. And then you knew where you stood with them. But bosses that were, everything was really cool. And, and then next thing you know, they're, they're writing you up for something. I'm very passive aggressive. Couldn't trust them. Anymore. Once they did that, I can't trust you. And then more and more nicer they were, I'd just be like, yeah, right. But I kind of opened up to you and then I end up being written well, up. And see, and, and that's <laughs> the thing I want to touch on too is it's like with this type of abuse or betrayal in general, like you're saying, yeah. it makes you get to the point where you say, wow, okay, I thought that I knew this person or this relationship. They completely mm -hmm. betrayed me, broke my heart. Yeah, so that means I can't mm -hmm. trust myself because I yes, can't trust yeah. my own judgment. Terrifying place to be when you figure that out and you're like, holy crap. Like, I, I don't know who I am, who, who to believe, who to trust. If I could, I can't trust myself. Can I trust anybody else? Because I clearly didn't sure. make the right choice here. The analogy, like like con, yeah. right? People like the confidence, the people that do confidence schemes. That's why they use the word con is because they build yeah. confidence. And, and that is the trick, right? They make you feel confident. Oh, yeah, everything's going to be okay. You know, you're in good hands. And then the the floor gets dealt from underneath you. You can have people who do this stuff, right? They usually have a pattern yeah. of it. And they usually young by the time to say you meet them in their 20s or 30s they've had a lot of practice this is their trade it's just like you know someone's a lawyer accountant a doctor who's applied you know to learn a skill set this is their skill set how to pull one on people how to react how to not to react how to you know say the right yeah. thing you know what i mean how to win the right time to get mad and terrorize they it's like a bag of tricks that they, they used can't be too hard on yourself about it because the mind game it's like kind of like you're in those uh you know the playland or the carnival those mirrors you know you go in that room you go in that the, you know the the room with all the distorted mirrors you know you see you look in yourself and you look tall you look skinny and if you've ever been in like that that the pee at yes. like when you're kids like that yeah it's kind of creepy i actually don't like those things i don't know if i'm creepy but that's what it is everything's distorted you're not seeing the real reality you want to really emphasize is because that's the thing that will you know for lack of a better term you will fuck with you it'll fuck with mm -hmm. you big time because you'll you'll second guess everything and that's why i brought up the paris thing because it's like even the nice things they've done, the nice things they say, the sweet things, the dinners, the fancy clothes, the trips and stuff, you know, they become tainted because, again, if you met a person that was sincere and wanted these things with no strings attached, you're going to be, oh, fuck, I, you know, last time I did that, <laughs> you know, like, Cause you, never you know what I mean? It's like, again. yeah. So you're hyper vigilant. Because it happens again, then you think, oh, what a fool, right? What a fool. You know, I mean, once or twice. But but the thing is though it's it's like I've I've seen this pattern where people get out of a really horrible relationship a long relationship and because they're so messed up that first relationship they usually get into is usually a, a very toxic relationship because you know they they don't have the yeah. wits about them and and then sometimes scumbag they will 
see that. They, there are scumbags that want to target people that are emotionally vulnerable because then they have the upper so hand. Sick. Simple as that, yeah. right? Yeah. So dating is, is always tough, even in the best world, even if you're not dating like a a narcissist or, you know, you might just be dating someone who's a bit shitty, immature, maybe they haven't done, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of work on themselves and they project their insecurity yeah. out on you, right? So, you know, there's lots of nuances. But let's get back yeah. to your story and separating. Okay. I think I had told you how he ended up leaving the home. I think I had told you how I was in shock for a good few months. Oh, for sure. You know, I had That's a two and a half year old and a five month old baby. And I was on God. my completely. Yeah. It was extremely hard. I didn't know which way was up. I felt like an atomic bomb had blown up in my home and my and my life. And I had been brainwashed for so long by him to believe that I wouldn't mm -hmm. be okay with him. And I wasn't capable without him. And I, I believed that at that yeah. point. And so I was paralyzed, sure. basically. And then mm -hmm. I would say within... Six months, I started to get a little, I guess, going through the stages of accepting that this was my life now, you know? You said something interesting, uh, like the yeah. stages of grief, and this is something I've said to other people. It is kind of like a death, and it's a, it's not maybe not like no one died, fortunately, but it's a death of your family unit. It's a death of like what you created together as a as a unit as a family and and you know that had you know had a, a life of its own and now well, that and it, and it, death, it is almost right? like a and literal then, death mark because yes. this person who i thought he was actually isn't who he is no right the like is now off, right yeah, yeah now you're seeing the monster so it it, it it really was like a death like and you replay these things. I think I had told you, you replay these things where it's like this beautiful honeymoon and wedding, little wedding that we had in Paris. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I still think about it to this day. Mm -hmm. Like, was that real? Was it for him in the moment? Was he just acting? Like, don't know. And it still is hard for me to reconcile. You know how I look at it? Because, you know, the experiences that are similar to me. I think mm -hmm. the moments were real, but they use these real moments as leverage, yeah. if that makes sense. Like for you, they're a moment that you're going to share. They're your memories. For them, it's like a credit they built up. Okay, I did all this. Now yeah. I want my pound of flour. Oh, no. If that makes now the bill comes. If that makes sense. The the bill comes at the end of the night, and it's like, oh, you open the the thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, for sure. <laughs> you had the fancy meal. Everything was awesome. The champagne, everything. But now, holy Christ! Uh, I didn't know I was being yeah, given fifty. That, grand that makes complete sense. You know? um, exactly. It took a while for me to accept that and go through those stages. I guess it was probably about a year into it, I think, about a year, maybe eight months a year. My mom was like, you know, Melissa, you're in the exact same spot as the day he left. You haven't really moved forward. Oh maybe you should think about seeing a therapist. Maybe you should think about yeah. contacting a trauma therapist specifically. And so I, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I am, I am stuck. And so I found this great trauma yeah. therapist who I saw for, mm -hmm. oh, I guess not that long, about six months, because unfortunately our healthcare mm -hmm. system does not cover mental health, you know, seeing a therapist, right. pay for it out of pocket. And because I was in this financially yeah. abusive relationship, he was paying for, you know, the rent and all the bills and everything. So I had to do it through there. And eventually I just didn't have the money to continue. She gave me such yeah. valuable 
advice and validation. So first of all, what I learned through that was it sounds so simple, but it was very healing and validating for me. She really drilled into my head, you know, Melissa, this is not your fault. She took my inventory, right? Before we discussed any, how did you grow up? What was your relationship Mm -hmm. with your dad, your mom, your siblings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My dad Mm -hmm. was a narcissist. And so she said, Melissa, you basically were programmed to find a partner just like your dad. And so it really isn't your fault, you know, plus you were a kid. It just Mm -hmm. wasn't your fault. And that really you know, a few times of her saying it, it really finally sunk in. And I was like, okay, okay, it's not my fault. And then she explained the cycle, narcissistic abuse. I was like, mm-hmm. again, like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is an actual thing. It's not just me. Because again, I was responsible for the relationship. I was responsible for his happiness. And so for right. someone else to say yeah. like, this is actually narcissistic abuse this is the cycle and when i heard it i was like oh wow that's exactly my life for the last 22 years wow. and then she gave me a bunch of book recommendations to read a few books about grief about divorce how to get through those times and then i also read books on narcissism and narcissistic abuse and relationships And again, those were so validating for me because it was like this author. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, like like a a picture of my life and just wrote it down. It was it was insane. Like okay, again, wow, I'm not the only one. This is an actual thing. I did that, uh, like I said, for about six months, and then I joined an online support group actually through Facebook. And I'm still right. part of it just for to give advice and just for when mm-hmm. things happen, I'll, I'll post or whatever. And mm-hmm. that was extremely healing and, and really helped me because these were real human beings who were going they through the same thing. Stories, and the weird know. thing, Mark, is it's like probably all abusers, but narcissists specifically, it's like from my experience and listening to all these other people, it's like they all downloaded the same playbook. Totally. It really yeah, is shocking because it's like, yeah, I know. I, I totally found the same thing too, right? Then, like I said, there's mm-hmm. there's different nuances, but they definitely react the same way. And then if you try to confront them or their ego, like, yeah, it's almost like the same yeah. download it's, in, it's in all these people. Right? It really, really is. And that and, really, really yeah. helped me and still helps me today. I think I had told you I had gained 90 pounds during my first pregnancy I was like 200 pounds by the time I gave birth to my first child. And then 18 months later, when I got pregnant, I was 170 pounds. So, and I only gained 30 pounds with that, but 89, so I was back up to 200. I had no self-care because, of course, I was a shell of a person by then. Uh, So focused on keeping my relationship together because, again, part of the narcissistic abuse cycle is the abused partner is desperate to hold on to this partner because yes they're terrified of life oh, without totally, them totally. they make that the, the abusive part yeah brainwashes you into believing yes. that 
It's just like a cult, yeah. right? Like I said, I use the cult analogy because it's like cult is yes. like a narcissist abuse on steroids because of how they got and, you know, they created a whole little community yes, of these for sure. People, and right? so I started, I decided I was going to do self-care and I realized through that my mom was never taught. She grew up in a physically abusive home. She was never oh, taught Lord. self-care. And so what you don't know, you can't teach, right? right. She never, t- exactly. and she was always working very hard for me and my sister, single mom, just work, work, right. work, work. Yeah. So she never oh. took the time to oh. go for pedicures or massage or a bath or a nap, anything for herself. Yeah. And so I was never right. taught how to properly self-care. And so I actually, actually bought a book on self-care and how to do it. I just started slow, like, you know, literally with bat, with nice oil and candles and just time for myself and right. time to read, go for a walk, go for a massage. You've, you, self-care is about finding things that bring you a little bit of joy, that fill your cup. Part of the process of rebuilding yourself. It's like you're running around, you're not taking care of yourself because you're taking care of other people. And that's what used to get me really pissed off because you'd think they would see that. And then, okay, you know what? You go, oh, hell no. It's sort of like, okay, yeah. you're done that? Oh, it's I got something thing. else for you. Yeah, it's it's really awful because it does deteriorate you. It does. And then again, these and it's usually done, you know, for the audience. If you're lucky enough to ever been in a relationship like this. Count you, your blessings. Count your blessing. But it's done yeah. in tiny increments. It's tiny increments. Like if you imagine this, right? If you're with someone, let's say you're with someone in your case for over almost twenty or twenty-two years, and even if it's like a one tiny one percent of a change every, you know, mm-hmm. couple of days or weeks or months, those add up, and then and then it's just like it's just slow increments, and that way you're not. We're, we're actually the best analogy. You ever heard the frog. analogy of yes, a boiling a frog? That. If you put it in warm water and slowly bring it up to a boil, yep. it'll stay and cook itself. And that's it probably is. the best analogy for it because you're you're stuck in a situation that's actually dangerous to your health, your your mental well-being. And ultimately, if it gets to very violently domestic. Mark, he had spit in my face before we ever got married. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's just such extreme behavior. 911, and they came over and they said, I said, I want to press charges. Right. He's assaulted me. I mean, I was still young at this point, so I, I still had yeah. a little, little yeah. bit of fight. And I was like, I want to press charges. He's assaulted me, he spit in my face. And they said, well, where's the spin? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I wiped it off. You guys, it's oh been 20 God. minutes since I called. Like, Yeah, you're supposed to matter. They keep it on there. Like, the God. And then they could have charged him. That's what they oh literally God, told really? me. Wow. And how are you supposed to know that, right? Like, you're supposed to, oh, I'm supposed to keep the spit on my head. You know, in one group that I was in, I can't remember if it was Instagram or Facebook because I did join quite a few support groups. One was, you know, when you're trying to get out and they were like, document everything. Mm -hmm. And I I was like, you know, I was too busy trying to survive to take pictures and take writings of what was going on. Yeah, if you can, it helps. But Lisa has like a Pile of emails, you know, a really like she's really documented. Yeah. They're just like, oh, oh, like actual them threatening to sexually blackmail. Like they they make up shit out of their ass. Oh, we have all these pictures and stuff like. So I called them. I called them. Like, well, I want. I I I find it disturbing. You have all these pictures. I called the cops and says this guy has says he has all these pictures and has all this stuff. They didn't give a shit. 
Like I'm telling you, it, it's like, so it, it, yeah, you can, but it's, do you think the system will? I think the most important thing, I think it's good to document or sh- sure. And maybe if she just does a civil suit, right, that, that will help for sure than not having it. But the people listening, it's no. like the system doesn't care as much as you think. And that's the shocking part of it. Maybe in certain jurisdictions they do, but I hate to say it in Canada, generally, it's almost like you have to either be beaten to death, you know, have like some yeah. horrific act of violence or catch them on him pointing yeah. a gun or a knife at you. And then what, you're going to put yourself in that harm's yeah. way just to get some justice, right? So the the scary thing is, is that the system, in my opinion, is pretty neutered when it's at that extreme gray zone. Oh, did he hit you? Well, he's punching holes in the wall. He's acting crazy. Yeah. Say, yeah. And you know, what's so, funny about that is, know. so they were like, okay, well, we're just going to separate you guys for the night. And yeah, so I went to my dad and of course, didn't tell mm-hmm. him what had happened, just said, we got into a fight and I just want to stay over. Of course, my ex-husband called me the next day and said, didn't say sorry or anything, but just was said, you know, I was thinking, why don't we just go buy you a new purse at Coach? Anything you want. And and a wallet. So it was back to the cooking. And so it was, again, it was like, okay, he's sorry. He didn't mean it. He's going to make up for it. He does love me. He does care about me. And so that was, in my mind, used. And just like, okay. Mm -hmm. And that brought a lot of healing for me. Had I was very spiritual when I was younger. Over the course of our relationship, Mm -hmm. I completely abandoned that spirituality. And for the listeners, spirituality can be anything, okay? I'm not saying church. For sure. Walk in the woods. Yeah, Jesus. Exactly. doesn't have to be And it's not, Jesus Jesus is not my spirituality, okay? But if it's yours... Please, no, neither hold on to it. Yeah, if it helps you, like I always tell people, like one of the people I do shows with is David. Yes. He does, you know, had a pretty scary path. And he's a boarding yeah. in Christian. And it's yeah. like, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that he's not doing, you know, terrible, violent things and killing yeah. people because yeah. of Jesus. So, so that, that's I, I got that spiritual so, practice yeah, it, back and I really felt connected again and solid again. I want to say 18 months ago now, I started actually mm-hmm. meditating. And that is what oh, good. changed me completely. Like people that hadn't seen me for like six months or seven months or eight months, they would see me and they'd be like, what's going on with you? Like your like your energy is like totally different. Yeah. Like what is do you have a new guy? And I'd be like, actually no, I'm meditating. Yeah. Well, you know what I heard about uh, narcissists and meditate? Apparently they're incapable of meditating. So maybe for the audience, if you want to find out your partner, uh, try to challenge them to half an hour of meditation because they can't be in themselves and they because everything's a construct and, and that personality that they present yes. in the world is like an act you know anthony hopkins plays hannibal lecter a pretty convincing serial killer but he's not a serial killer in real life but he does a really good job because he's a brilliant actor right so these narcissists become very yeah. good actors. and the type that i was doing was guided meditation so it wasn't like i was just sitting there in silence and trying to not mm-hmm. think about anything I, it was a guided meditation mm-hmm. and i still do it every day um, good good for you it might sound a little foo-foo to some people, but uh, it's actually the type that I do is chakra meditation. And yeah, if you know anything about chakras, oh, I never believed in chakras. I was always like, oh, chakras. <laughs> okay, sure. 
But then my girlfriend who was into it, who got me into the chakra meditation was like, well, it's funny because all of the major chakra centers line up with all of the major um, central system centers. They all line up with all of the traditional Chinese centers. God, well, a while, a long time ago now, about 15 years ago, I had a a spinal injury and I did all the rehab. I did all the stuff. I started doing Kundalini yoga, which is very chakra based. And almost immediately I went from needing a cane, a walking stick to not needing a cane and a walking stick and being able to go to the gym with, and have no back pain where I had, you know, I had a pretty serious, yeah, I had a pretty serious spinal injury. The injury was a, the doctor even said if it was even a few more millimeters, they would have done surgery, but it was just enough not to. So I had to kind of gently push it back into place gently with that. So yeah, I know I'm, I'm a believer too. I can think of, I was just so desperate to heal. I was willing Mm -hmm. to do anything that it took. So if it took a trauma counselor, if it took reading, if it took, uh, you know, groups on Facebook, if it took talking to my friends and being honest, if it took meditation, I would try it because I wanted to heal and I, I'm still doing it. Um, and it, it really, really, really has helped me huge, huge, huge. Another thing that I do, I started was a gratitude journal. I find Good. that, oh, that cool. no matter my day always helps. Because we also live in a society where I feel like, yeah. People just never seem to be satisfied. Like I, I appreciate smaller things that I probably overlooked in the past and then before, right? Because my stuff, it's like the little things yeah. that I took for granted, I no longer had, you know, personal freedom, my headspace, you know, my heart yeah. not, uh, doing heart palpitations or whatever, right? Anxiety, yeah. shallow breathing. Like even when I first started the podcast, because I was still going through the stuff uh, in the beginning mm-hmm. of the my the first year of the podcast, right? And the, some of the I've, I've taken quite a few of them down for earlier because you know I was just learning and you know they were pretty raw. But I my my goal what really was I didn't care if they were perfectly polished because I didn't I didn't yeah. expect them to be, but was for me to do it. The thing was was to do it slowly, improve it, and increment. And when I first started doing the podcast, I was so stressed out from all the bullshit I was going through. I would listen to them and be like, I would be, yeah. I'd actually sound like I was panting like a dog in the microphone. And I saw, I started doing more cardio just to get my breathing under control again, because literally when I was talking, I was so stressed out, even though I wasn't, I didn't think I was stressed out. I didn't notice it until I would listen to it and I'd be like, literally, I sound like I was hyperventilating as I was telling my story, right? So it does have such an impact. And, and like you're saying, the self-care helps yeah. it is kind of like in tune with yourself. And then you can start finding these P, okay, why do I have anxiety? Why is my chest yeah. tight? Why am I always feel tight? And and then sometimes, you know, I found uh, while I was going through it, when I would have like social interactions, even like small talk with people in the park, I felt mm-hmm. really like awkward. You know what I mean? And because yeah. we come across where then they come across awkward at you too. What I mean? Like I had very mm-hmm. bad like awkward social interactions because yeah. you know you're you're going through a lot of shit you're afraid that oh how how do i appear in public how do i appear when i have these uh interactions and stuff so it's important to take inventory of yourself and because or because if you don't you don't build self-awareness and if you don't build self-awareness yeah, exactly you can't, you can't and uh, so. another thing that i do is i list goals every month people would oh, be good. like oh list Brilliant. goals and i'd be like what like what am I going to do read the goal every day like what's the point but actually now goals I don't look back at them when I go back and look at the goals I accomplish them 
I'm a very visual kind of person, like the way I think and say stuff like that. So sometimes even, even like something like not so much the Vancouver true crime, but my personal, I post stuff up there visually to look at it, to kind of reinforce mm-hmm. it, like goals, like on my whiteboard, I yeah. post sticks and then it'll be like for the day and then have 25 things I need to get done. So, so it's just like, you're trying to like break it down into smaller bits too, right? Okay. Well, if, if it's like, say losing weight, okay, I want to lose five pounds. So I break down, what do I have to do each day to lose, to get to that goal? Breaking it down into smaller segments, well. things like that. Totally. Because when you have, feel like you're in control of yourself and you're, you're, and you're actually yes. achieving things, even little things. I know we talked about Jordan uh, Peterson and I think you're brilliant. I mean, (laughs) just judge me if you want. Yeah, and but that was the thing about make your bed. Oh, how dare you tell people to make their bed? But the whole principle is, and you know what? Again, I I was an army cadet when I was a kid. Yeah. What's the first thing they teach you is how to make a bed. That's right. (laughs) Right, because it's your space. It's 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 like that one spot that's yours, and if you can keep that place in order, then you can sort of build off space, your home, your especially your bedroom or, or your personal closet or bathroom, um, things yes. that people can't see, that yeah. is a reflection of your mental state. Totally. Absolutely. And like I said, in my, in my case, on top right. of everything else, I lived with a hoarder. And I, I could tell you, and I, they could, I, as I said, I could meet a woman now, she's a 10, but she's a hoarder. I'll yeah. run. I will run. Just the hoarding was like, it was like mental terror for me because it just, it just would not so stop and I could not understand that. Cause I've always wondered about how that hoarding affects a partner that's living with the hoarder. Oh, it's horrible. Like, like, okay, when we, it's funny because our own in North Vancouver and then we got this massive seven bedroom house with her mom and just to, so we mm-hmm. could be closer to her uh, son who was going to school in Langley, Surrey area, right? And so that was the decision. We're all going to live together so support him. He had a really hard time with elementary school and he was doing well at high school. So we didn't want, didn't want to move him out of his school. His dad ended up yeah. going back to Alberta. It's a big, long story. So now we're in this massive house and we had all this space. And I thought, oh, great. We can have this great space for the kids and this and that. And one of the goals also was uh, she wanted to start her own daycare. So first the stuff was in the guise of, oh, it's for the daycare. Go in marketplace and buy tons of crap. She bought this woman's entire daycare that went out of business, like everything. And then she'd go and buy tables. And we had like 10 sets of tables and chairs. So she'd go use it. Oh, it's just for the daycare. And then she didn't want to do the daycare anymore. Oh, I'll just sell the stuff. And then it'd be another project. Oh, I'm going to start this type of business. And then she'd buy all a bunch of crap on that. And then, and, and, and what, and then also what it turned into because she would buy stuff on marketplace. It was an excuse not to be at home. Oh, I got to go to Port Moody to find this blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are you serious? But she'd always tell you on the phone. But it was a, a, for one of it was a reason for her to, you know, just to F off and and not be around. But also, I mean, I think it made her feel like she was accomplishing something. But then like, and then, then it was like the, but there was like different phases of stuff. So the worst phase, in my opinion, was Mm -hmm. the book phase. I, you know, I used to have, I used to love books. I used to collect books she ruined that for me because every time i'd come home oh a box of books and just random dumb books of kids book blah, blah, blah. but a box of books every day for like three or four months and then you're finding you've run out of space they're heavy you're you're finding they're filling up literally filling up rooms and then when erica was a toddler she'd roll like gold burl in them then i'm afraid they're gonna collapse and crush her right so yeah it was pure hell and then having people over so you have this massive, you know, seven bedroom yeah. house that should be a beautiful house. Right. 
and you can't and have you people. And did you feel like secondary? You know what I mean? Because it's just, of course I'm the only one with a strong back, even though I have an ex spinal injury. But uh, so when it came to moving day, who had to move all the shit? And I, oh god, I would fly. It would push. Just the hoarding alone would push every button. Like I'm telling, I broke down, cried because I couldn't. I lost important things. I've lost. So I had to go to Las Vegas for a, a convention for my work, and they were doing this big trade show. I, I lost uh, my passport. You know, we're talking whole rooms would just be completely wow. effed up, filled with crap. You know, kids' stuff, strollers, uh, books, and daycare stuff, and craft stuff, and toys, and baby dolls, and just go on and on and on, right? Just piles of stuff. To give perspective, I guesstimated over probably over two years, she probably wasted over about definitely 90,000, no problem. But if I really calculated, probably go up to probably 140, $130,000. And then, and then you add the cannabis that she smoked in the last year of life. She spent over like 20, about 30. If oh. I just on the weed, I'd say $25,000. But if I had the rolling papers, the gas to go get it, the pipes, the bongs, the, the vapes, the different devices to smoke it, we're probably saying about thirty to forty thousand dollars. So on top of that, so we're probably getting now to about two hundred wow. grand just wasted on crap. So that alone just makes you crazy, right? Plus, also too, your your stuff gets ruined. Your stuff goes missing. I was given a mask that's probably I just I'm just giving it a value of five thousand dollars just because it's a rare piece. It was made by a, a Brazilian shaman in the Brazilian rainforest with semi-precious stone, one-of-a-kind piece. And I was going to put it and kind of like and seal it in kind of a pexy, mm -hmm. uh, so because it was kind of like made out of porcelain too, so I didn't want it to fall and break. So I was going to seal it kind of like in this a block of a pex, a, a, a epoxy. Oh. Like a valuable paint painter, a Canadian painter, that goes missing. So things of value goes missing. Like this, you know what I mean? So you just go crazy. So back to the passport. Can't find my passport. I am going absolutely out of my mind, out of my mind. So okay, fuck, I have to get a new passport. Then I go and get the get the express certificate. Kidding, I get the birth certificate in the mail. Mm -hmm. I I have the it on an envelope on the table. It gets moved with a bunch of other papers. I lose a birth certificate. And I spent sixty five bucks to get it express. So this would happen all the time. You put something down, poof, gone. But you buy expensive earbuds, poof, gone. Uh, oh my god. Uh, the other the other thing is because this this crap filled up every room in the house for my jobs and stuff I had expensive suits and stuff so over you know over the years you know let's say I had maybe about twenty just guesstimate about twenty thousand dollars worth of like expensive business clothes you know suits dress shirts things like that right. Well, I come home once they get they get pushed aside. They're being like you know I had them all in this rack yeah. and in the bags you know each in the you know in the bags. They're taken out, like, who's a fucking you know what I mean? They're taken out of my bag, they're put into a closet, and then a bunch of books, and they're all stuffed in there. Ruined. Like, ruined. Oh, you ruined my fucking clothes. Oh, okay, I'll get you some more. Oh, yeah. I don't want you to get me more, because it took me years, you know, because you buy them each individually, right? So then all your expensive clothes get stuffed up. So I ended up not being able to go on that important trip, because Man. I used to call it, like, the blob. It would just swallow up and stuff. Eat, eat your stuff right you'd put stuff down and they would get moved and it would be it would just disappear it, it just it would need you'd look for it like going through it going crazy and i would get like a, you know i'd fly i've had because of this the hoarding i've had every type of emotion yeah. 
bawling my eyes out, crying, uh, screaming, broken down, fro like just the hoarding alone was hellishly torture. Even if she was the perfect partner, that alone drove me into yeah, I've always almost wondered. into me going into a sanity ward. And then oh. the mom was a hoarder too. So I had two hoarders. So you oh. go in the garage, it's filled up. So now the garage is not usable. A two-car garage, right, is not usable. So I, yeah, it, like I yeah. can't even emphasize. So it's like another level of right. use. So it's almost like it felt like it was weaponized. Uh, anything expensive it's I like, had, I remember yeah. I, uh, there, there was this lady. So this lady I worked with who was from Dubai, she was only here yeah. for a short time and she was like filthy rich. She's like, oh, Mark, you know, I'm moving back to Dubai and stuff. And, you know, I got like a leather couches, dining room table, da, da, da. You can have it. I'm like, I don't want it. I'm going to give you something for it. So she she didn't want any money. So finally, I said, yeah, I'm going to give you at least something. So I gave her 500 <laughs> bucks for everything. And she was almost I had to force her to take it. Right. So we're talking like a, a leather wow. couch that was probably worth like $3,000, a nice dining room table, things like that, chairs that match oh, with it, Mark. all get broken. A brand new leather couch gets broke because because he come home. Oh, there's a pile of boxes on it, right? So, yeah, yeah. So it was absolute torture, and I that's when I felt like you know at the time it's sort of like yeah. Oh, you think you want a nice place? Ha ha. You know, it's like a, it was like a control. And you know, the only way to say it, and this is going to sound crude, it felt like someone, yeah. you know, like a male dog that marks her territory. It was almost like they, they, it's like to claim the house, if that's the only way I can describe it. Like if there's a room empty, oh, we got to put my stuff in there. It's my room now. It's like it's like this. It was like this, that. That's the only way I can look at it. It was almost like yeah, yeah like, some like almost like a domination. Nothing's kind. yours. Everything's yeah. hers. It's all about her. Yes. Nothing's about you. And it's like your yeah. feelings don't matter. Yeah, and your stuff gets broken. Too bad. Yeah, too bad. And then if something of her goes went missing in this crap, oh, it would cause world to. A birthday got ruined. My three-year-old, my son was turning three, got ruined because I'm trying to clean up the place so we can have a birthday party. And and on top of it, Melissa, not only did she hoard all the stuff, she would go to the library and borrow like tons of stuff for the library. And then the library shit would get lost in it. So uh. I felt horrible because it's like this library read so that made me crazy and then she had this huge meltdown on the birthday in front of everyone because uh uh something that she got borrowed from the library got lost in the pile of crap so yeah it was it was beyond it was it was like yeah. a, a torture that you cannot even describe to other people unless they lived with the horror like i i can tell you straight up that i hate hoarders like i I, like I said, I meet a girl yeah. and she's a 10, she's a hoarder. Yeah, I'm like, I, I've light seen those speed. shows like hoarders. Yes, and I've light always speed. wondered, like, what about the partners that live yes. with these people? Like, what do they go through? Because they never talk to them. Yeah, yeah. There's like levels of horrors. And I think she was like, what they call it from this is off the top of my head, if I'm looking at the terminal, right? I would, she was classified as a right. level three horror where she makes rooms ininhabitable. Like there's some people that are a little messy. You can be maybe a little bit of a pack rack. They can't let go of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and hoarding is very tied with psychosis because mm -hmm. man, you try to get rid of that stuff, they go nuts. Like they go nuts. Like you know, you moving days were beyond. Moving days took me months to get over because they didn't know how to move. You, they, you know, I, you know, I've moved a lot. You pack all your stuff, you mark the boxes, you pile out. No, 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 no. It was like, 
they would. They and this is the mother and your wife. So it's not just one, back. it's double. Yes, yes. So it would take literally days, weeks. I remember one move, it took two weeks because they move every little thing and they have to hum and hob every little piece of item. And seriously, like you, you're like, yeah. I'm like, it was the only time where I felt like I was gumming out of my skin. Like it's just like, like, you know what I mean? Like every little tiny item. Oh, I don't know if I should keep this. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let's not hum and haw over Mark's <laughs> stuff. You know like, yeah. You know. But yeah, I lost active as like, uh, when we moved from North Vancouver, we lived in Seymour Heights. We moved to Langley. Uh, well, it's kind of Langley, uh, Surrey border. We moved a massive moving truck. When she passed away, yeah, I I just threw everything out. Yeah, because anything things get broken, the good stuff gets broken. The good stuff went missing. Like a lot of valuable stuff of mine went missing. Like really pissed me off. Yeah, and then it's sort of like I don't want the memories of looking at this crap. So it's just like I said, you know, like like literally hundreds of thousands of dollars just wasted on garbage, like just complete garbage. It's like it, it's like you, you, I'm over it now, but it took a long time just to get over that. Just the you know the the pure waste of it. You go around yeah. buying all this yeah. crap, so it ends up in the dump. Basically, my landlord wanted uh, to move back into the apartment, so I had to move. It was the first time in my life that I would have ever had rented a place in my own name by myself, moved in by myself, put the furniture wow. up by myself, all of it on my own. Found a beautiful apartment actually just across the street from where I was. So my kids got to stay in the same school, brand new apartment. No one had ever condo, no one had ever lived in the unit. And it just built my self-esteem so much, this little thing. And I was like, wow, I I can do stuff like I yeah, can accomplish stuff like I am actually mm -hmm. capable. This is amazing. And so that pushed me into going into real estate. And now I'm in the middle of getting my um, real estate trading license. I'm really oh, looking for forward you. to it. And again, um, I do have sometimes that little voice, his voice in the back of my head that says, you can't do this. Like no one's going to want to buy anything from you. You're not smart enough to do this. Yeah. Right, yeah. The voice, sure. the but, voice uh, of doubt. I'm going forward. And you know, Mark, from the outside, you know, I've lost all the weight actually plus 10 pounds. I'm 10 pounds thinner than I was when I got pregnant with my first baby. Wow. A hundred pounds altogether. I live in a gorgeous place. I just bought my first car in my own name ever. And so from the outside, you may be like on a good day. You may be like, oh, wow, you know, she's really got it together. Mm -hmm. But I'm still recovering if they're starting no. to give themselves grace because this is not an overnight thing. It's it takes it's a process. It's a long process. I don't know if I'll ever be over that self-doubt mm -hmm. fully. But That's right. The parts yes, of you that are stronger become yeah. stronger, if that makes sense. The way she went out, the having to take her off life yeah. support, it was just beyond shocking. It's 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 like I said, tell people like I felt uh, frozen for the, almost for the yeah. first few months. I just couldn't feel anything, just completely right. numb, right? And then you slowly thaw out, and for the longest time, mm -hmm. even up to recently, I would say I was at fifty percent, fifty percent happy, mm -hmm. fifty percent sad, and I can switch back and forth yeah. quickly some little trigger, some little memory, and just like you just boom, 
or someone even says something in a way that she would have said it and you just take it like whoa like you just it's just like i instantly will shut down like just instantly if someone's like trying to force a response out of me you know a concrete wall comes down right you know the way if if i'm put into stressful situations and stuff i i usually just shut down i don't really react to it just kind of from what it is but now i'd say for myself i'd say you know from recently the work i've been putting in my platform the success i've been yeah. getting is i feel like i'm about 70 percent four years and i feel about the same about 70 yeah. percent yeah, exactly. Or past, so it's only past the fifty percent part. And quite frankly, for the first couple, like yeah. say the first year, maybe twenty, maybe thirty, you'd have good days, and I'd have very bad days. And then, and, but the thing is, yes. because we have kids, I just learned to soldier through it the way that most people can handle it. I'm not going to tell people that's the way me they too. should do it. But for me, yeah. that was my only option. No. I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice just to lay in bed all day and feel sorry for myself. And then I found if I did do that, oh, yes. I just felt just go into this horrible pit of despair where just like, and then you yeah. start hating yourself where it's like, oh, you pathetic little worm. You know what I mean? I've like been just there. Groveling and crying and stuff yeah. like that. Right. And I didn't, I didn't, yeah. And I don't want to be that. Right. And I don't want to, and I want to set an example. So, you know, for the for the audience, sometimes being strong, True. even faking you're strong, helps you be strong, right? Because you get in the practice, and it's like a practice of it. You get up, you just do what you got to do. You don't have to do it right, don't have to do it hundred percent perfectly, but just even going through the motions of it sometimes was good practice for me. For me, getting up, and getting the yes. kids ready, making them something to eat, taking them to the park, getting you know, you know what I mean. Even if that's the last thing I want to do, but I felt better doing that than. You know, yeah, being in a yeah. field position and under a blanket also, all day. Like, so you have a learned helplessness. And so, I mean, that goes hand in hand with no self-worth or self-esteem. And so all that has to build mm -hmm. together. And that's a process. And that takes time. And it's not overnight. And it's not in a month. And it's For not sure. in a year. This is many years of, no. of processing and working. No. And um, I'm just really proud of myself of how far I've come. And I'm proud of you too, because we've we've come far. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I feel like my story um, and your story um, can help oh, yeah. so many We're people welcome. in so many different situations. Um, and there is hope for you. Like, even though you think, you know, oh, there's no life without this person, they're his, and it's for sure, way absolutely. And for the audience listening, just just because I want to say this, so you yes. know, again. Uh, truth and transparency is always how you should live right that's how i live i tell my <laughs> you know you listen to my previous podcast i tell all my crazy things the crazy stripper girlfriends i've had and all the shenanigans i got into you know so i'm an open book right i don't have no secret community a better place you know telling your story things like that yeah but my next my next phase is now it's going to be public safety and safety you know uh online safety dating safety uh things like that and I'm also actively working with other people as we speak, you know, different types of technologies to keep yourself safe, you know, but, you know, little tiny body cameras you can wear in an emergency mm -hmm. or even like this one thing I was looking at, it's a bracelet that looks like a charm bracelet and all you have to do is squeeze it and it sends like, your location. So if you're in a bad situation, it just, it goes onto your phone and it texts your location, right? Yeah, so I'm looking at stuff like that, but not even that too. Cyber stalking, people that harass you online, things like that. So I'm getting more along. I'm gonna be, you know, as this, as time unfolds, these are the things that are gonna unfold. 
consulting with cyber experts because, you know, they like to do a lot yes. of bullshit behind the keyboard. Expose them, expose their IP addresses, expose who's the people making the troll remarks, things like that. So there's a whole like uh, things that are coming. Right. And, and, and now I am telling narcissistic abuse stories, telling survivor stories, consulting with experts. Yeah. I'm going to be talking again yeah. back with Seb, who is a sergeant major for the RCMP. We're going to be talking about domestic violence. Yeah, totally. So we're going to, you know, again, talking to people that have ties into in law enforcement, giving f sound advice. If you are yeah. in domestic violence, what are your options and stuff? So That's we're building right. a coalition, right? Yeah. So again, you know, attack on me is attack on all of us now. You know, that's how I look at it, right? So if someone, someone including your ex, messes with you, you know, you have a resource. You have my platform. Yeah. You can tell your story. You have a, a spotlight, you know, you, and that keeps you safe. When people know that you're under harassment, exactly. these things are happening. One might make them think twice about the next thing they're doing, right? So, and thank you for coming in. But we'll work on our series. We're going to start doing like from uh, public service announcements yeah. about uh, domestic violence and things like that. Yeah, maybe go in some paid yeah. or, or maybe interviews or like traditional ones that, that, that need some. That, light that would be like a really that. great thing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Okay, you too. I'll take care. I'll talk to you soon.